0: All right, we're going through our study of Old Testament. We're up to 1 Kings chapter 1. Getting to start a new book here. 1 Kings chapter 1. And uh, by the way, we got a real praise, too. uh, We were just talking about that. that, uh, We got a problem with one of the furnaces here right now. But praise the Lord, the Lord blessed us with two furnaces in the building, so we still have heat. So we thank the Lord for that. And I was saying, too, that uh, we got an offering through the mail uh, a couple weeks ago, and the furnace is already taken care of. I mean, we have the money provided ahead of time. Usually when the Lord sends extra funds, you know something's coming. So he's already provided, and everything's done with that, so don't everybody sweat and think we're going to... We won't sweat anyway without a furnace, but you know what I mean. Don't worry that... uh, there the lord provides he takes care of stuff it's so amazing to watch we really can trust him okay in first kings chapter one we're coming to the end of king david's reign and we've had a good time uh seeing the lord uh, he just reveals david's character to us all the way through he wants us to see what it's like to be a man after god's own heart uh not a perfect man he's a sinner you know we the lord has allowed us to see his sin as well as the times when he really rises to the top and is a great servant for the Lord. And uh, he's not a bad one to say, I want to be like King David. I don't want the, the sin part, but I do want the repentance part. Because David repented when uh, when he was caught in sin. And he's a great example for us of somebody who keeps going forward even though they've messed up. And the Lord has given them grace and mercy. So we take that all to heart. So we're seeing him come to the end of his, his reign uh, we get to the books of First and Second Kings. They were actually one book originally, but they've been divided probably just to make it easier to handle all the material in here. Uh, this period of, of Kings, First and Second Kings, it covers over 400 years, so it's a long time period. We're going to see some really great men of God come out in these stories and also some that are, are pretty bad. <laughs> so the Lord lets us see the whole thing as he usually does. Uh, we see the good as well as the, the bad side of things. But in these books here, they're going to show us, again, the rebellion of God's people. But the bright side is that is it always shows us how faithful the Lord is to his people too. So the Bible tells us, you know, when we're unfaithful, the Lord remains faithful. And we praise him for that, right? Uh, even though God's people rebelled against him, he knew how to chase in them in order to get them to return to him. And uh, praise the Lord. He knows how to chasten us too. When we fall uh, into a backslidden state, you know we're focusing more on the world than we are on the Lord. And as the scriptures say that we end up being more in love with the world than we are with the Lord, then the Lord knows just how to chasten us. So he can wake us up, we can come to our senses, and come back to him. And uh, that's the safest place to be in the arms of the Lord, right? And as in Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord tells us there's no chastening that seems pleasant when you go through it. We don't like getting spankings, you know. But the outcome, the fruit that comes from it can be a sweet time of fellowship with the Lord. So in the long run, it's very worth it. And the Lord's showing us his love as he disciplines us. And that's what he shows us with his people here, too. So let's jump into the story of 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Now King David... Was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. So, David's about 70 years old at this point, and some of his years were very hard years, you know. Like somebody said, it wasn't just the years, it was the mileage. (laughs) He'd been through some things. Uh, He didn't appear to be the kind of guy that likes to sit around in luxury all the time. You know, he was a soldier, a warrior. He fought in battles until his mighty men said it wasn't safe for him to go out and fight anymore. So he wasn't a guy to voluntarily give up the car keys. <laughs> he had to be pressured and convinced that it was the right thing to do. And we praise the Lord for the wisdom we see in him. He didn't fight it when he knew it was time to back off. He did. But I'm sure he didn't slow down any more than he had to from what we know of David. He was, he was quite a, a servant for the Lord. And now he's at that age where the old body doesn't work like it used to. (laughs) So we're told he had a very hard time trying to get warm. You know, if you and I get to that point where we can't get warm either, then at least we can say, hey, I'm like King David now. (laughs) You know, I may not be like King David killing Goliath, but I can be like him shaking in my bones, right? So David, his body doesn't generate enough heat anymore, even to keep him warm in his bed. It didn't matter how many covers they put on him, you know. If your body doesn't generate heat, then those blankets aren't going to help that much. Uh, These blankets couldn't generate heat. They could just hold in the heat that the body is able to make. So apparently, his blood circulation wasn't working that good for him to even help him get enough heat, you know, under blankets to warm him up there. So he's in a, a situation where the body's starting to fail him, and we get to that point You know, if we live long enough or if those situations come in our life. So we should be very, very thankful for all our modern conveniences we have, you know, like central heat and also uh, the heated electric blankets. You know, what a blessing. David would have loved to know that that was a possibility if he could have got that. Yeah, turn that thing up, you know, and I'll I'll be good. But you notice here that there were people who cared about David and they were trying to help him. We're told here in verse 1 that they put covers on him. So they were folks that were really trying to help this guy that they loved and I'm sure they appreciated his care for the people of God that he'd put in over the years. So now that's coming back to him. You know, we pray that when we enter old age like David, that there's going to be people around us who care for us too and, and want to try and help us if they can. And I hope too our heart is that We wanna be that person that cares for those people who need help as well. So we wanna be there, we wanna be the blessing for them. Uh, Verse two, it says, therefore, his servants said to him, let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord, the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our Lord, the king, may be warned. So the people who cared about David, they came up with a solution. They said a young woman, you know, if we could get a young woman who could be David's caretaker during the day and then sleep next to him in bed, you know, and in her younger healthy body with his good blood flow, (laughs) she could generate the heat that would help keep him warm under the covers. And from my understanding, this was an actual medical treatment they had in the world at that time. Like I said, they didn't have any of our modern conveniences to plug something in and get the heat turned up you know so uh, this was something they were using back then uh, use another body to keep you warm now there's a question and I guess you may have that too we're not sure why one of David's other wives weren't considered for this, this duty uh, possibly they were in the same predicament that David was where they weren't generating much heat either because they were getting older as well so they may not have had the good blood flow you know uh, to produce enough heat for them either It's also possible some of them may not have been alive any longer. I mean, David's up to 70 here, so some may not have made it that far. I'm not sure, but uh, we do know Bathsheba's around still. She's going to come in the story in a little bit. But this woman here, uh, she's brought in. She's going to be added to David's family as another concubine, and that would mean that she would be taken care of as part of the family. So it isn't like they're just throwing some lady in there and say, warm him up and then get out of the way. <laughs> no, she would be cared for as well. So uh, this is going to be a good thing for her too. So verse 3, it says, So they sought for a, a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel, and they found Abishag the Shunammite and brought her to the king. And I had to laugh. It's like somebody said, well, If you're going to get an electric blanket, it might as well be a pretty one, right? (laughs) Because you're looking for a lovely woman here. The Lord kind of points that one up. Verse 4, so the young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him. But the king did not know her. So she was his personal nurse, and they had no physical intimacy. That wasn't the point for bringing her. She really was just to keep him warm you know, as she was in, under the covers with him at night and also to attend to him as, like it says, his personal nurse she cared for the king. So that was a blessing. Now, with David getting older, there is the question of who's going to be the next king after him. And the next king that would come to that position, is he going to come without bloodshed and without a conspiracy? Because, you know, those things happen when there's a place of power that opens up and there's a vacuum there. So David had already experienced some heartburn in that area, if you remember, from his son Absalom when he tried to do that early takeover of the kingdom. So uh, I'm sure those thoughts were maybe coming through David's mind if he was able to think that clearly at that point. Excuse me. So verse 5, Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, this is one of David's sons too, he exalted who? He exalted himself, Right? saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. So Adonijah, he is the fourth son of David. from we, we get from the list the Lord gives us of David's sons in another area. And we know that two of the older sons had died for sure. Those were Amnon and Absalom. We have those, their deaths recorded in the Scripture. And we assume that the other older son, whose name is Chiliab, he was probably dead by this time as well because he's never mentioned again after 2 Samuel 3 where the Lord gave us the list of David's sons. So Adonijah was probably the oldest son of David that was still alive. And it'd be assumed that he would be the next king because of uh, the line of succession there from the, from the family. But that's not how the Lord does things for Israel. Uh, the Lord is going to choose the next king. Take a look at Psalm 75 for a moment. If you want, I'll read that to you. If your fingers are cold and not turning too well, like mine were, they <laughs> finally warmed up. I can turn them now. Uh, Psalm 75, it says this in verse 6, and this is a very important passage to let us know about leadership and how this works. Psalm 75, verse 6, it says, For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. So when it comes to being exalted, the Lord can take care of that. He doesn't need our help. So Adonijah is way overstepping his bounds here. The Lord is perfectly capable of exalting us at the right time and in the right place. And somebody said this, I like this, if the Lord doesn't exalt you, then you don't want to be in that position (laughs) because you're out of the Lord's will, so you don't want that. Uh, The Lord knows what's best for us, right? We just need to humbly wait on the Lord. Uh, There's nothing wrong with us having a desire to be in a position like the Lord tells us in the New Testament. You know, it's a good thing for a man to desire to be an elder. But it doesn't say it's a good thing for a man to demand to be an elder. So there's a big difference between having a desire and then forcing your way in. Well, we see Adonijah here. He's trying to force his way in. That's obviously not of the Lord. Yeah, so we need to just humbly wait on the Lord. And like I, I like to say, you know, The Lord knows what he's doing all the time, even when we don't know what we're doing. So praise the Lord, he's sovereign, he's in control, and we can trust him. And we notice here at this Adonijah guy that he exalted, it says, himself, okay? Whenever somebody is exalting himself, that is not a good thing. Uh, The Bible tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift us up. So our responsibility is to stay humble before the Lord and allow him to lift us up when it's time. And Jesus said this in Matthew 23, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And we're going to see that in the story here as we do in other places in Scripture when somebody exalts himself the Lord is going to humble them. And that's what's going to happen to Adonijah as well. So we will see that principle even in our story here, okay? So we should let the Lord exalt us and we should not exalt ourselves. The Lord never encourages us to lift ourselves up. Take a look at Proverbs 27. Or I can read that to you, but Proverbs 27 in verse 2, talking about, Lifting ourselves up. Proverbs 27 verse 2. Says, let another man praise you. And not your own mouth. A stranger. And not your own lips. So the Lord cautions us that this is not a good thing. And I know you're like that too. You don't like it when you're around somebody who's constantly bragging on himself. And pointing at himself. It gets irritating pretty fast. The Lord's telling us, I didn't design you guys to do that. I designed you to be humble, to listen to my leading and to follow me, and I'll take care of everything else. You don't have to worry about that. So there's nothing wrong with a person wanting to be ambitious for the Lord, and the Lord going to be glorified from their actions. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? But the Lord is not pleased with selfish ambition, where a person is doing things to exalt himself. If you want to look at the New Testament in Philippians chapter 2. And I can read that one to you as well. Philippians 2 and down to verse 3. And this is one of those good verses too to highlight if you're into marking your Bibles there, which I think is a good thing. Philippians 2 verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition our conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So right there in that verse, you have, what is the solution for selfish ambition? It's humbleness. It says, in lowliness of mind. So if, if you get tempted, if you're one that has a temptation in your life to always want to get in that place of selfish ambition, uh, this is the verse to help you through that. <laughs> you know, say, I need to be humble. Lord, you know I really want to do this, and I really want to do it my way, but I'm going to trust you. And if you don't want me there, praise the Lord, shut the door. But if you do, please open the door. So this isn't a bad way to start the new year by reminding ourselves to be humble and to look upon others as better than ourselves, just like that verse tells us. So being humble before the Lord and not exalting ourselves is a very important principle with the Lord and that's why we spent some, some time on that right now. And we're going to see in our passage today that selfish ambition is very dangerous. Uh, the Lord is serious that if we will not humble ourselves, then the Lord will humble us. And that can be very unpleasant for us to go through, as we're going to see happens here with uh, David's son. So back in 1 Kings uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 again, the second part of that, Uh, Adonijah says he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. So here he is, he surrounds himself with these chariots and these men to make sure that when you saw him coming, you'd say, this must be some important person coming right now. So it looks like he got this idea from Absalom, right? His brother, because that's the same stunt that he tried to pull when he was trying to do his takeover of the kingdom of Israel. And it didn't turn out well for him either. <laughs> You'd think we'd learn from this. But, you know, the foolishness of man, we repeat. Uh, that's why history said it repeats itself. We think, well, I'll do it right this time. I know that last guy didn't do it right, but I will. Well, no. If you don't do it the Lord's way, it isn't going to come out good. So back in uh, verse 6, it says, And his father, talking about David, had not rebuked him at any time. Wow. By saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had born him after Absalom. Remember, Absalom had the looks too. Well, his brother, you can tell they're related. He's got the looks. But the sad thing it tells us here is David failed to discipline his children. And that didn't help out them at all. Okay? Some think that maybe he felt guilty. Because of his own sins that he committed in his life. And maybe that's why he didn't discipline them. But we need to look past ourselves and do exactly what the Lord tells us to do when it comes to disciplining our children. I don't know if you've been there as a parent, but you sense that. You know, at times you get convicted yourself, thinking, man, I've sinned, I'm not perfect, so I gotta be careful in coming down on my kids. But as parents, our responsibility is to point out the sin to discipline them, to help them through that, and help them return and repent and come back to the Lord, right? So we've got to look past ourselves when it comes to discipline our kids. Uh, let's look at some of those important verses, again, on discipline our children. They're in Proverbs, most of them. So if you want to look at Proverbs 13, we're going to look at a few of these principles. Again, a good thing to review as we talk about coming into the new year. Proverbs 13 if you want to look down to verse 24, Proverbs 13, verse 24, says, He who spares his, uh, spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. So you don't skip opportunities to discipline your children when it's needed and I know it's hard, especially if you're gifted in the area of mercy. <laughs> it's hard for you to come down on the kids when they need discipline, but they need that. It's good for them, right? Because the Lord says here, if you spare that rod, if you're not disciplining your kids, you really hate your kids. You don't see it that way, I know. You think, oh, I'm trying to be loving and kind. That's not loving and kind. Because you're opening them up to all kinds of problems, which you see out in He's got a, that attitude of, I deserve this. Entitlements, you know? Uh, Look at Proverbs 19, another verse on this. Proverbs 19 and down to verse 18. Chasten your son, this is verse 18. Chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. Just a warning there, you know, if you don't discipline your kids and you send them down a bad road, And they can get some serious problems later on. Uh, Proverbs 23 is another one. Proverbs 23, verses 13 to 14. Proverbs 23, 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. Again, our natural temptation is to not do this. But that's why the Lord encourages us. You need to do this as for your child that you're doing it. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. <laughs> That's talking about the, uh, the Lord giving us that, that seat that can be dealt with, right? I mean, what do they say, the board of education on the seat of knowledge, right? Uh, the Lord designed us that way. You're not going to hurt the seat when it's, when it's disciplined, right? The Lord actually made us that way, so that'll work. It says, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. So good, correct, biblical discipline is helping your child escape a horrible future. And that's the point. And the Lord says it this plain to get our attention on that and, and to show us. It's serious. You need to take this into account. And we're in a culture right now, as you know, ever since good old Dr. Spock ruined things for a lot of people, to tell you don't discipline your child. Just reason with them. Let them figure it out on their own doesn't work huh, folks. The uh, When their child is little the only thing they understand is the is the pain associated with their actions. So if we could teach them your actions have consequences and they're painful and that's the goal of the spanking right. So that's taught to the child even at an age before they have reason where you can sit down and talk to them. So uh, Dr. Spock was way off and he admitted that later on after he had kids. Believe that one right. Uh, there's another passage here in Philippians, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6. I'll read that one to you. That's one I know you're very familiar with too. Ephesians 6, in verse 4, it says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but look what it says, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And that's the training and the instruction of the Lord, which includes discipline. And to help you with this too, remember, our children are a gift from the Lord. They're not our children. They belong to him. Uh, like what somebody said, they're just on loan to us for a while. But they ultimately belong to the Lord. Jesus died for them on the cross. His, shed, his, his blood was shed for them. So he bought, bought them and paid for them, right? So we need to remember they're his children. And if the Lord says us, we need to teach them discipline. They need that. It's a really important thing in their life. Let's look back to 1 Kings chapter 1, down to verse 6. Uh, it says again, His father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? And the second part of that, about him being very good-looking. Boy, you talk about a dangerous mixture. <laughs> Somebody who's a very good-looking person, but they have no discipline in their life. Wow. That's a bad recipe for getting into trouble and very possibly heading for destruction. I don't know if you thought about it, but the kinds of temptation that come to a person who's very attractive, and then you put that with an inability to have any self-discipline to ward off those temptations, because their parents never took the time to instill that discipline in them correctly. Wow, it's no wonder we see so many celebrities in our society who self-destruct. They've got the looks. Very attraction, a lot of things they can do with that attraction, a lot of temptations come their way, and if they were not raised with discipline, they are in serious trouble. So it's sad, but, but all is not lost for those kind of people if they come to the Lord, right? Because when a person is born again, now they have a heavenly father, and he will discipline them because he loves each one of his children very much. So if you want to read more about that later on, we're not going to take the time today, but later on you can look at Hebrews chapter 12. That's a very clear and direct passage on God's loving discipline for his children, which is you and me. So you can mark that one, Hebrews chapter 12, later on, go check that one out. But in our passage here in verse 7, it says, then he conferred with Joab, so Adonijah's pulling some more stunts here. He conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abiathar the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. So in his manipulations and his efforts to make himself king, he begins to recruit powerful people to stand with him and support him. Remember Joab, he was David's commander of his military. Abiathar, he was the high priest and the spiritual leader of that time. So Adonijah, he's hoping himself to look like he's more respected as a future leader because he's got these well-known men who are now in his cabinet, okay? Verse 8, but Zadok, the priest, he's another priest, Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, this is not the same Shimei as we saw giving David a hard time before, it's a different guy, Rei and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. So this tells us that not everybody was going along with these schemes of Adonijah. Uh, These were some of the leaders that were very faithful to David that we see listed in verse 8. Even in his older feeble state, these guys are not going to turn their back on David. That says a lot, you know, when you've got people who remain loyal to you all your life. So what a blessing to have that going for you. So we're told here that Zadok was another one of the priests But he didn't go along with this. And Benaniah, he was the head of David's bodyguards. We saw him listed a number of times before. He didn't go along with this either. And Nathan the prophet, this is the one who rebuked David. Remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed? He was another one who remained loyal to David. You know. Then it lists these other men, including David's mighty men, who never jumped ship. They never went to Adonijah's side. So again, it's such a blessing to have folks who'll stand by you in your old age, you know. I hope that we can be a blessing like that to our fellow believers too, especially them. Uh, Verse 9, it says, And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fattened cattle by the stone of Zoholeth, which is by Enrogel. He also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, Now, how do you like a guy like this who's going to bring religious stuff in just to gain more people? You know, have you run into people like that who like to use the God talk in order to sell you something once they find out you're a Christian? (laughs) You'll run across that if you haven't yet. Well, Iden is one of those kind of guys. (laughs) If he thinks it'll get a few extra points, he'll gladly go to the God talk. Unfortunately, though, Christians were kind of known for being pretty gullible people and That's why folks like to take advantage of us. you know. after you've been walking with the Lord for a while, though, we kind of learn to keep up our guard a little bit more than we did when people show up with dollar signs in their eyes, you know. Uh, Verse 9 went on to say that he invited all these people, his brothers, the king's sons, all the men of Judah, the king's servants. Uh, (laughs) You notice who he's inviting here. He's going to invite anybody he thinks he can win over. So he's pretty sneaky. And look who he's not going to invite, in verse 10. He did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaniah, that's the bodyguard, head of the bodyguards, the mighty men, or Solomon his brother. (laughs) So uh, I like what somebody said. If we're having an event, and we can't invite loyal, faithful people like it, like these guys here are, then we probably shouldn't be at that event. (laughs) You know, think about it. Uh, Verse 11, so Nathan he spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, and he said, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it. So this tells us how fast and how sneaky Adonijah was setting things up. Once Nathan the prophet found out about what was going on, he hurried up to tell Bathsheba, assuming that neither her nor King David had heard about what was happening right now. So, He's going to jump into the story here. Verse 12, come, please, let me know now, uh, let me now give you advice. So this is uh, Nathan talking to Bathsheba, and he says, I I have some advice I need to give you. Let, you may save your own life and the life of your son, Solomon. So I'm not sure how well Nathan knew uh, Adonijah. I'd assume he knew him pretty well, probably watched him grow up. But it appears that he sees him as a pretty ruthless guy. You know, it sounds like the lives of Solomon and Bathsheba would be in danger if this guy is allowed to go on as king. You know, Nathan Nathan also being a prophet, he may have heard from the Lord on these matters and that might be why he was going to Bathsheba to talk to her too. You know, I believe there are times when the Lord will give us a word for people and he wants us to share that with them. The first time I remember that happening in my life was when I was having my morning devotion with the Lord a long time ago. And as I was reading a verse, all of a sudden the name of this Christian brother just popped in my mind. You know, I was thinking about it, when I was going, what he was going through and I was amazed at how that verse I was reading spoke directly to his situation. So I took that as a leading from the Lord that I needed to share that verse with him. So that same day when I saw him, I told him I think the Lord wants me to show you this verse. So I I read the verse to him. You know, I said, I I really believe, after watching this, what happened, I really believe that whole thing was from the Lord because his response, he said, oh, the Lord's been showing me that already. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, and that was scary. But I guess the Lord was using that to teach me how to share a verse with someone when the Lord lays it on your heart to do so. You know, and as it happens, you know, if, that comes to, happens in your situation, I pray that you follow through with that and share it with that person that the Lord brought to mind. And don't worry about their response because that's between them and the Lord. In the role of the prophet, they were just told to deliver the message. It wasn't their job to force the people to obey. Their job was finished, finished once they delivered the message from the Lord. So like that guy there, I could try to encourage him after that to say, man, you don't want to play games like this with God, you know, and try to encourage him, but I can't make him obey. That's in his heart between him and the Lord. So, yeah, I don't think he fared well because he really never repented from that. And look, yeah, he ran into some serious issues because of that. Uh, Back in our passage, verse 13. So he's, uh, Nathan's still giving her this advice. Go immediately to King David and say to him, did you not, my Lord, O king, swear to your maidservant saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? So he's telling her exactly what she needs to say and how quickly she needs to go do this. And it tells us, too, Nathan, he must have known about this oath that David had made about Solomon being the next king. And it sounds like Adonijah might have known about it, too. (laughs) That's why he didn't invite Solomon to come to his religious ceremonies in verse 10. So Nathan, he doesn't waste any time. He's telling Bathsheba she must go immediately to King David. Uh, then she was supposed to remind him about what he swore about Solomon. Then the last question of verse 13 was to let David see the urgent need to do something quickly, you know. As it says here, why then is Adonijah become king? If this is what your plan was, you know, did you change your mind? And in David's mind, i bet this brought back some pretty scary thoughts for him, <laughs> back to when he had to flee quickly with his family and servants, when Absalom was going to march in Jerusalem and take over the throne. So I imagine this kind of sent a chill up David's spine when he heard this news when she was going to bring it to him. Verse 14, uh, Nathan's still talking. He said, then while you're still talking with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. And boy, that's Encouraging to know that somebody's going to be there with you to back you up on that, too. So his plan included, you know, he was going to come and confirm what Bathsheba had to say. And that would let David know, too, how serious things were and how quickly he needed to act. That uh, this wasn't something that Bathsheba just had a bad feeling about, but it was reality. Uh, Verse 15. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. So David wasn't alone. She was there with him. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, what is your wish? So Bathsheba came in. She was very respectful. But by her presence there and the way she approached David and let him know that she needed something. So he asked her, you know, what is, it your, what is your wish? He knows there's something going on. Verse 17. Then she said to him, my Lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, to her saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now, look, Adonijah has become king, and now, my lord the king, do you not know about it? So this had to be a scary thing, you know, to have to tell David that something this serious has happened in his kingdom, and he's probably not aware of it. let lets him know there's a real stunt being pulled here. So verse 19, she goes on and she says, He has sacrificed oxen, talking about Adonijah, and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance. And he's invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army, but Solomon, your servant, he is not invited. So she lets David know who Adonijah had recruited and who was following him. And in verse 20, she said, And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them, Who will sit on the throne of my Lord, the king, after him? Apparently, David had not made it clear to the nation that Solomon's going to be the next king. But she's letting him know that the actions he's about to take are extremely important, and they're going to affect the entire nation of Israel. So, yeah, that would kind of perk him up a little bit, thinking, we've got to take care of this. So, verse 21, she says, Otherwise, it will happen when my Lord, the king, rests with his fathers, when you're gone that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. So she's letting David know that Adonijah, you know, he's going to have her and Solomon arrested and probably put to death after David is gone and not able to stop him. So she's showing him here that there are lies very close to you that are going to be affected by the decision that you need to make and you need to make that decision pretty quick here. So verse 22, And just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. That was his plan. So they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today and has sacrificed oxen and fat and cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders the, the commanders of the army And Abiathar the priest. And look, they're eating and drinking before him. And they say, long live King Adonijah. So he's letting David know that Adonijah, he's already gone through all the formalities and he already has people declaring him king. You know, they were even in the midst of having the presidential party after the election was over. That's at least what we're used to seeing in our country, right? Verse 26, she said, but Solomon here, she said, he was not invited. Uh, Adonijah, he has not invited me me nor your servant uh, nor Sadok the priest nor Benaniah the son of Jehoiada nor your servant Solomon so none of us have been invited to the party has this thing been done by my lord the king and you have not told your servant who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him so they're asking David you know did you approve of this stuff you know if you did uh, was not aware of that so this is what he's laying before David you know like you didn't tell me about this and I had no clue, but he says, I do know this list of people, the ones that really care about you, they've not been invited (laughs) to that party, so it should be a heads up on that one, too. Verse 28, then David, uh, King David answered and said, call Bathsheba to me, so she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. Apparently, when Nathan came in to speak, uh, Bathsheba was very polite here, and she stepped out and let them have a private conversation, you know but now she's summoned to come back in. So that was pretty interesting just to watch the whole flow of that too. Verse 29, the king took an oath and said, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every stress. So here's David, he's now going to speak up. He's gonna make this official ruling. And he says this as only David could. It's pretty neat to watch. He bases his oath he's about to make on the everlasting God. He says the Lord that lives, you know, he's always alive for all eternity. And he says that the Lord redeemed him, meaning that he would not have lived this long if God had not preserved him and protected him. So he gives the Lord the full credit for his life. You know, I hope we stay that humble when we approach old age as well. And we still give the Lord the full credit for all of our life. Uh, Verse 30 goes on as he's making this declaration here just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel saying assuredly Solomon your son shall be king after me and he shall sit on my throne in my place so I certainly will do this day so David acknowledges you know that he did make that oath and that it was the oath he made in the name of the Lord God of Israel so this was no thing he just said one day in a whim He had taken this before the Lord, apparently had gotten the authority from the Lord to do that, and then he made this oath, okay? Then he said these words, and I'm sure they were hoping to hear, that he was going to fulfill that oath this day, (laughs) you know? And it must have been a thrilling thing to be able to say that, that you've taken an oath to obey the Lord, and you're going to see that fulfilled today, you know? So it's an encouraging thing for us when the Lord moves us to do something for him, that we don't hesitate, but that we obey him immediately. We see a great picture of that here with David. Verse 31, Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Let my Lord, King David, live forever. So she deeply appreciated David's response and she asked the Lord to bless David's kingdom forever. And the Lord is going to do that, right? The Messiah is coming from the line of David. He came and he's going to return again. And uh, he is going to be the line of David. And it will be a blessing forever for his family line. So that is so cool to see. We're going to stop here today. We'll pick it up, Lord willing, next time and go further into the story. There's more coming on this one. But it's interesting to see what's going on here. You've got a young, ambitious guy who's very selfishly, ambitious trying to do his own thing and he's fighting God on this one that's why the Lord's got Nathan the prophet coming in that's why he's got King David reaffirming the oath that he made and taking care of things right now and the end of the story for Adonijah is he will be humbled in the sight of the Lord so a good lesson for us especially going into the new year you know stay humble before the Lord that way he doesn't have to bring you back to that place of humility (laughs) if you're already there you're safe, all right? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the word of truth that you give us today. Lord, thank you that you love us enough, that you discipline us. And Lord, I thank you that you show us the picture of David and how you've watched over his life. And then you let us see one of the sons here who are in rebellion. And Lord, that can happen in a family. But Lord, we pray that you would just show us in our life how to walk with you, let us be the example for our children, of how to walk with you, let us be diligent to bring discipline into our families, into our own life, because we want to see your blessing, Lord, we don't want to head for disaster. So, Lord, if someone has been struggling today, and they've been having an issue of, should I discipline my children, should I be involved in that, I pray today you gave him your word of truth. Lord, it's not important what, what we say, it's what you say. So we thank you, Lord, for your guidance. someone is here today who doesn't know Christ, I pray you'd open their heart to receive you and pray if anyone listening, Lord, on our live stream is in need of Jesus, let today be the day where they humble themselves so they can start this new year as a child of God, having their sins fully forgiven in Christ. Thank you that Jesus died for our sins, paid for them completely, and was raised again from the dead. We give back all glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen.